Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty, a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Ah, I love that song. And welcome back, runners, to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl, Genesis, and with me, as always, is a fan art collector and diligent researcher, Toasty. How many downloads of Lucy do you think are on your phone right now? Well, like, in the notes, I put 80, and then, like, I was inundated with, like, so much more after doing so so i guess 95 now you wrote the 80 like an hour and a half ago hey hey it was three hours ago oh okay so that makes it much better someone spammed me with a bunch of lucy shit and i was like all right well i mean i'm not gonna not save it so this is my life now saving pictures yeah you see my my character art for like D and D. It's uh, I think it's at like fourteen fifty right now. Like on my Damn. phone, fourteen hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot. So that is a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I don't know how to segue from that one, <laughs> so we won't. <laughs> I will go straight into a new little segment I'm going to start calling the Scream Sheet News, the part of the show where I feel the need to clarify or fix any mistakes from last week. I scream it so you don't have to at me later. Or if you do catch an addition or something that was debatable, I'll read it here. So from last week, I looked into it and the characters that we were referring to as Team Rocket are actually named Kate and Douglas. I'm, like, kind of disappointed. Yeah. Like, big name. These kind of, like, pretty, I don't know, relevant people at Arasaka. They're just, like, Kate Douglas. Okay, but everybody in this series has pretty basic-ass names. David, Becca, Lucy, 
I don't know if Maine was his first name or his last name, but I'm assuming like a last name. But Maine's Maine's not that boring. Dorio, Kiwi, Falco. Those aren't normal names. I mean, honestly, I'd rather like, like if they're gonna give him names like Kate and Douglas, you might as well just not give him names and just be Arasaka Exec One and Arasaka Exec Two. I, yeah, yeah, it's valid. But David and Lucy, we have quite a bit to talk about them tonight. So, box of tissues ready. Let's get into episode nine. It is titled after the Scorpion song, Humanity, from their 2007 album, Humanity, Hour One. And while I wasn't familiar with the song, I looked into the lyrics and the opening verse is so painfully perfect. Humanity, Alvedishin, it's time to say goodbye. The party's over as the laughter dies, an angel cries. Humanity, it's au revoir to your insanity. You sold your soul to feed your vanity, your fantasies and lies. How do you feel about that? Damn. Right? All right, then. <laughs> this is a song about Faraday. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so you sold your soul to feed your vanity, your fantasies and lies. That's Faraday. That's that's all him. See, I read this and thought David. Not necessarily that he sold his soul to feed his vanity, but did you really need to get that buffed out? You couldn't keep your normal body. Yes, yeah, so he had to. He had to cyber out to to keep his team safe. Sacrifice himself to keep everyone else safe. Um, okay, but did you really need to strengthen your jawline? How is that keeping your team safe? That's just part of it. That's just part of it. Look, fashion wear doesn't drop humanity. Like, it doesn't do anything to humanity. It's fine. Okay, well, what about 12-pack abs? I mean... Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to complain with how good he looks, but, you know, I'm just saying. I can also see your point about Faraday, but... I don't know. It also reads David to me. All right, fine. Okay. Should, do you want to start the breakdown summary of episode nine? All right. So this one is a bit of a back and forth. It kind of goes between starting, like they're starting the job going after the convoy, the Arasaka convoy. And then we kind of see a bit of a flashback. Faraday has uh, Lucy and is figuring out like how um, or like about her past. She used to she was trained by Arasaka. She's the net runner that they want. Um, and so he's going to use her as like an extra security blanket, essentially, for for Arasaka's approval. And then he calls up David and gives him the job to go after the Arasaka convoy, which is a complete bait at this point because Arasaka wants uh, David to test the cyber skeleton. Uh, so Faraday is just setting him up. So then we see them start the job. They have like kind of like a team of 
random goons that they're using to distract, to separate out the, the cargo so that they can go after a certain one. <clears throat> and as they kind of get to the point where they take out like all the escort vehicles, they realize that the one like cargo truck is um, not manned, but they still uh, bring it to a stop with like super crazy endeavor of like David holding one end of a harpoon into a rock to like stop the truck. That was kind of wild. Um, and then they basically they find the cyberskeleton and Oh no, I was just going to say what happens when they find the skeleton. Uh, David immediately wants to install it. Uh, but Becca is kind of hesitant on it. And Kiwi's just there telling him this is what it does. Yeah, they're basically debating this, but they're being attacked by Militech outside with like Militech's got a missile carrier and a basilisk. Um, and they're just kind of sitting out there waiting for them. They don't really have a way out. They're in a big, like, open area that's easy to get, like, for them to get mowed down. Um, mm-hmm. And Faraday uses Lucy's, like, neuroport to call David under, like, while using Lucy's voice and her information. So David thinks that it's Lucy and basically convinces him that he needs to install the cyber skeleton in order to save his team, which does <laughs> like the magic words. He's got to keep his team safe by sacrificing himself. So he installs it. Um, unfortunately, Lucy manages to get away from Faraday and warn David like a moment too late. And then she's caught again. Um, and David basically vows that he's going to end Faraday. Uh, meanwhile, he is rapidly, rapidly degenerating into cyberpsychosis. And Becca is keeping him pumped full of uh, immunoblockers in order to to keep him going. Um, and he gets it all set up, installed, and proceeds to absolutely wreck all of the Militech troops and vehicles. Oh, and at the same time, Kiwi, or right before that, Kiwi betrays them and takes off. So she's she's not in the danger zone anymore. Yeah. And that episode kind of ends right there, right after he's done wiping out everyone. So... Yep. Oh, okay. So touching on a lot of those steps there, and it's this one where Becca finds him and realizes that he's only got a couple of shots left, right? Yes, there's a portion where they're like setting off onto the mission and Becca finds him uh, and he's kind of like setting up all of the immuno blockers like on his back. So he's he hasn't used any yet, I think, at that point. But he has like all of them set up, uh, like and just has her like has her put his jacket on him, um, mm-hmm. and he's like kind of hiding them under. Yeah, 
Just to make it so that way nobody else knows what's going on. He has to trust her. Yeah. This one is the easier of the two episodes, I think. <laughs> it, so. To a point, um, seeing Lucy tortured is never fun. Uh, we definitely true. see some of that with Faraday. Uh, and then this is also where last week we talked about how the dudes with the creepy eyes were utilitarian and uh, you were wondering what I was talking about. They are her literal chains holding her back. If you look when she's chained up in Faraday's vehicle and they're flying around, the chains that she's tied to are attached to their throats. Yeah. I don't know if it's a collar or if it's like actually attached to their bodies. But still, they don't say anything, but they're still creepy. Yeah. So she manages to mono wire them and escape, so but it don't really matter. Faraday seems to have an endless supply of these creepy eyed dudes. Yeah. So do you have uh, any big notes about the episode? We see David hit psychosis the same way that we saw Maine, and that it was just the immunoblock booster. Immuno, I get it wrong every time. Immuno boosters blockers. or blockers. Blockers. Okay. The only thing keeping him sane in between. Uh, his uses of the cyberware is the immunoblockers, and they are the ones that what's his nuts the Ripper Doc gave him last time, and said that once you're done with these, you will be beyond saving. <sighs> I did put down a few notes about uh, Lucy may be David's true love, but Becca is his best friend. And we see that in the way that he trusts her completely. And that's true. Ryder dies right there. They got each other's backs. Yeah. yeah we kind of get to see a bit more like it's not much uh, considering how like we only have like an episode after this. Um, but like still seeing kind of relationships between people mm -hmm. like, you know, Becca's relationship with David and even like I put a note about seeing Becca's relationship with Falco because yeah. of that little moment where they're like bantering around like while they're waiting yeah old man and I love yeah. how he she calls Kiwi an old hag I'm like it's a good word oh yeah my funny little moment that I found you stole my funny line in the notes so I'll let you have it um, oh I stole it hell yeah <laughs> Uh, but my funny moment was the way that Falco drives through the Badlands, because it is so hard to keep all four wheels on the ground in the Badlands, and that's exactly what Falco was doing, jumping over hills, flying everywhere. It was just, yeah. But, He's got a little, like, tank of a car there. Like, mm -hmm. I love how it had like the wedge. symbol. It looked yeah, like a the converted Arasaka tank. Or Melotech, one of the two. They both look the same. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. You have, like, kind of, like, modded out a bit where it's, like... Oh, yeah. The, like, that front, like, wedge part so that he can just, like, 
scoop people. Looks like that's, the snow plows. Yes, that that's that's the correct term for it that I cannot. I was. <laughs> I don't. I live in Texas. I don't know what a snow plow is. So. Right. <laughs> I live in Portland. We don't have them here. But I I've seen them know. on TV. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, as for funny line that I stole from you, um, Kiwi saying bit my tongue off when we all know damn well she doesn't have one. <laughs> we saw her face come off. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? What tongue? <laughs> It was funny. Like the grow a chrome spine and the ow, I bit my tongue off. It's like, yeah, okay. But really, there's not much else lighthearted in that episode. It's all intensity. Yes, yeah, a lot of intensity. As for a couple other things, um, I mean, obviously we see, we can see a basilisk. I thought that was cool. We could see one in 2077. Um, and they just like brought it in right there too. Um, then specifically, um, I th- it was a little weird. And I guess you know when you work together for a long time, you kind of like just trust people, like without really thinking about it. But like no one ever asked a question about how the hell Kiwi knew all of that information, <laughs> like. She she conveniently opens the truck at the right time that it needs to be open because they're just being attacked. She happens to know everything about the cyber skeleton, this super secret super secret project that they hadn't even heard the name of yet. Yet she's got all of the info. Um, I could I'm sure they could have put that like on you know something in the truck but it's also like why would they put all of the cyber skeleton information on a disc in the truck and then she just happens to have the activation codes when she's neat when david decides that he's gonna slot in yeah (laughs) see because i was like I took it at face... Well, no, I didn't take it at face value because I knew that she already knew everything that she needed to know. But if in that moment we were still... David and Becca and Falco were still trusting her. And she's sitting there and she's playing on like a tablet. And she's definitely running over things the whole time. So in theory, she could have been continuing to break through and hack and find out more information. Bro. I guess, but it was just, I just thought it was funny, like how convenient all of it was. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, she betrays them, takes off. Um, You know, I do like that whole idea of coming back to Maine in like episode three saying you can't trust anyone except yourself and or can't rely on anyone but yourself. And then, you know, flash to next episode with someone always betrays you mm-hmm. in this case it was kiwi and the kind of last thing i had was just that there was so much manipulation going on with all of this like and i thought it was crazy how 
Faraday knew exactly what he needed to say to David. Yeah. Like, oh, if you wanna if you wanna save your team, you need to slot in the cyberskeleton. It's exactly what David needs to hear to get convinced him. And then I believe in you. That that part messed me up. Like how how did he know that? Unless like go, getting hacking into Lucy's brain, did he start pulling memories? Like, can you even do that really fast like that? Mm-mm. I don't know. I thought that was that was just wild that he knew precisely what to say in the moment. That was just like, all right, yep, this is the exact words David needs to hear because it takes him about point three seconds to. All right, I'm doing it. Oh, man. Um, and then, you know, the cyber skeleton was just an insane piece of cyberware. Like, like the weird mech thing had mag field generators, anti-grav generators, extra grav generators, like, like <laughs> gravity manipulation, like thrusters. All the different wild. types of gravity. Absolutely wild. <laughs> At wild absolutely insane yeah i don't think i have anything to add on this one except for david kind of being a badass and psyching himself up it felt good to hear him like speak po- at one point he's like i'm just going to let go and show them that i can do this and i think that also keys us into where he's at mentally where he's like i've got to prove myself i can do this and i'm just like no sweet baby boy you don't he he did though he did in his brain he did in his brain he did yeah i do love the just the moment of like just don't use your set. He's already gone. Like mm-hmm. using the set devastant to just be on the other truck. Yep. He was very cool. The way he was like hopping around from car to car like that. That was very, very cool looking. So. Agreed. Are we ready to start talking about episode 10? Yeah. Yeah. Our final episode of the series, of the season of the series. Um, It is titled after the Feist song, My Moon, My Man, from her 2007 album, The Reminder. And I had to look this one up too, but part of the song goes, My Moon and Me. Not as good as we've been. It's the dirtiest clean I know. My care, my coat, leave me on a high note. There's nowhere to go. How do you find lyrics that just... It it fits so... Ugh... The moon, the coat, come on. 
I also didn't know that I knew a Feist song previously, uh, but her the most popular song from that CD was one, two, three, four, and I'm pretty sure that if you've listened to if you listen to it now, you would be like, oh, it's that chick. It was pretty popular on the radio. Yeah, I'll I'll have to check it out and see. I don't yeah. know. <sighs> All right. All right. We're mentally prepared. As for a summary for this episode, uh, we kind of pick off directly where we left off last episode. They are driving into the city, being chased by Militech. David goes kind of into like a bit of like shutdown mode for a minute or five. And Falco and Becca are forced to kind of fend for themselves, which uh, they do easily. Uh, Falco is a badass driver. Um, they wipe out like the Militech squad following them and then immediately realize that Arasaka is incoming from their front. So they kind of have to avoid that stuff. And they like veer off, start getting chased uh, when David finally wakes up and proceeds to immediately wipe out like everyone. Meanwhile, Kiwi is trying to ditch town, calls Faraday, tells him, all right, my job's done. I'm leaving. Zip me my heads. And Faraday tells her like, okay, well, um, I need you for this last thing. So meet me at the drop point and I'll give you your money there. He's of course living the high life in the Arasaka, you know, AV that he got in heading to uh, the tower to talk with them. Uh, in I thought it was a cool moment here where Kiwi's like, she knows, she knows that like this is a dumb idea, but she still does it anyways. Um, meanwhile, they're still driving action scenes going on. David just destroying everything. Uh, are Kate and Douglas, I was just like, if I remember their names, um, are talking about how bad this is because he wasn't supposed to, uh, or he was supposed to wipe out all of Militech and then Arasaka was supposed to come clean him up, but he's still not fully in cyberpsychosis yet and he didn't wipe out all of Militech, so it's becoming this big, like, corpo war front on the streets with David right in the middle. So everything's going bad. Everything that they didn't want to happen is happening. So they're trying to come up with like contingency plans and how to deal with Faraday because he uh, he failed in his job because the blame always gets cast down to someone, the lowest person in the situation. Kiwi meets up with Faraday gets shot well, oh, he betrayed her. Wow. Big surprise. So surprised. And back to the action. Uh, they're still... Uh, or David's kind of losing it more and more. Running low on meds. Um, there's some very, like, emotionally impactful moments here. Uh, because he's kind of hallucinating walking through the streets of Night City. Um, 
you know, like he used to essentially uh, when he was going to class. Um, and Becca's still injecting him, keeping him going. And Kiwi, like while dying, uh, bleeding out, calls them and basically gives them Faraday's location, like the location of his AV so that they can get him and get Lucy while she's, you know, bleeding out. She gets found by the goons and killed, but she's able to get that information to him. They slam into his AV with the car, which is wild. And Falco and Becca go careening off into like the Corpo Plaza while David hops off um, onto the AV and they make it to the top of our soccer tower. And Kate and Douglas have a plan to have Adam Smasher deal with David because things are going that bad. They got to bring him in, which apparently he was already there. So that's unfortunate. And proceed into the talks they're trying to talk uh or faraday is trying to convince them that he did what he was supposed to do they're like hey you fucked up get out um it's not really going anywhere uh but david sandy's in breaks the i guess like weird like net runner link that they had on her or something they had some sort of like bug or something on her to deactivate her essentially and we get the David and Adam Smasher face off. Yeah. He run yeah, yeah, it's it's I don't like the next part, Jen. I don't like it. Um basically David they're just like kind of talking shit to each other, but Faraday's getting carted away by trauma team. So David gets distracted with that because his like focus of his rage of his near cyber psychosis is on Faraday. Um, so he decides to basically get rid of Faraday first and ignore Adam Smasher uh, and jumps out of the building and just starts like kind of like going down. Um, Adam Smasher chases. Uh, Lucy is pulling him out of his cyber psychosis for a little bit longer just with her love in this very beautiful scene and they make it to the bottom and Adam's close behind it's Becca and then we get the whole montage of all the memories with like the whole crew essentially as Falco nabs Lucy to get her away um, because David made him promise to get her out while David takes on Adam Smasher, which by takes on, I mean, he gets just absolutely wrecked. Uh, Adam Smasher is very strong, dude, very powerful, dude. Um, and then he dies. David gets killed. And the last thing we see is Lucy on the moon, reliving memories. She has of David, but she made it to the moon. Oh, I don't know, Jen. I don't know if you can see my notes. Here. My 
pain one through five. Uh-huh. <laughs> just yeah. how I labeled the stuff. So, um, why, why don't you go ahead? Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay, so for my notes, I wrote down, how is Falco making me tear up in the first 30 seconds? I understand that Matt Mercer is an amazing voice actor, but just the way that he put so much emotion in just the one line, Becca pops off with, uh, David's got to take a five minute breather. And Falco goes right now. And she's like, uh, yup. And Falco turns around and goes, if David needs five, I'll buy him five and then guns it and just does all this maneuvering to keep them away from Militech. And I'm just like, damn it. <laughs> like, there's too much emotion in these characters. Um, I mean, man, Matt Mercer is like a dude that's not afraid to like show emotion to you. So it's like, it's great. I saw this, uh, a thing uh, is a video where they were at New York. Him and like all of Critical Role was at New York Comic Con, and he was like talking about how like grateful he was for, um, like you know where they big where they started and like where it's brought them to now. And he got like emotional through the thing, started crying, and like everyone was just like, you know, it's just like this, like this is a precious man. We need to protect him. <laughs> it's like any like yeah, is you know. It, Stuff like that's kind of hard for like guys to do, like you know, to have like a point where they can be emotional. I know I've drilled that shit out of me, or tried to at least. So, yeah. Mm. <sighs> okay, in his hallucinations, um, in his memories that he's scrolling through in his head, uh, the one, the stuff about his mom, really killed me. Um, you know, it's like when mom reminds him, like, oh, yes, mijo, I can see you. My D, so smart. You're going to race through the ranks all the way to the top of Arasaka Tower. And that's what he's held, that he wants to make it to the top of the tower. Um, another creepy thing was that uh, Kate said that the skeleton was made for Smasher. Like, they wanted to steal it to give it to him. And I don't even want to think about how crazy that would be. I mean... He doesn't even need it. No, he doesn't need it, but he could use it. Yeah, but, like, I don't think he wants to. Like, he looks down upon it so much. Yeah. Like he called it anti grav training wheels. Uh he called his he called his own military grade Sandevistan a rudimentary implant. But do you think he would turn it down if it was given to him? Kinda, yeah. Mm, Alright. I think he'd just be like, oh, this is this is like I I wouldn't even be trying anymore. He just not even trying most of the time. But, like, he seems like he... Like, the only thing he has left... So he's, he's got no fucking humanity. The no. dude's full Borg. Like, that... 
questionable if he even has any organic parts left. Like maybe his brain. Uh, maybe. Um, and like, so the, and, you know, he doesn't care about anything and stuff like money. Or like at this point, maybe like being able to fucking at least enjoy himself while he brutally destroys things or murders people like this all he has left yeah uh i know that mike pondsmith has identified smasher as being quote a high functioning cyber psycho so there's like no question about it that like he while not constantly murderously rampaging like we see uh, other psychos, he's definitely one of them. Like, if zero humanity is, like, the point for cyberpsychosis, he's at, like, negative 50. Like. Or maybe he is right at that zero. And he never dips too far low to where he turns into the rampaging psycho that can't have rational thought. Just, I just don't think that's ever been a problem. Like, I think he's like, he, he did be went cyber psycho, but it wasn't like berserk. It was just mm. like, he can still do the terrible things he wants to do. It's like, as opposed to like someone going on a killing spree <gasps> or like the very cold calculated, like serial killer. What if, the human man, Adam Smasher, was a sociopath before getting cyberware. Where you don't, oh, really? yeah, where you don't feel emotions the same way. You don't feel empathy to begin with. So if you have no empathy, no sympathy, very little humanity to begin with, getting all this cyberware isn't going to flip you into the psycho switch because you don't really feel that to begin with. And that's truly terrifying. Yeah. I mean, he's Adam Smasher. Damn. Okay. Mm. Back to David for just a moment, because mm. there was one more thing that I noticed. And there was the montage of him, of David seeing him, his younger self, walking through the city. And he shows us all the ways he's been trying to die over the last year or two. Um, the simple act of jumping off of his balcony every morning. He doesn't jump off. He straight up walks off. And he just assumes that the trash pile is there. He never looks down. He just goes, it either happens or it doesn't. Ma'am. Then there's... The stuff between David and Lucy and him being able to come back to her in just those few little moments and explaining how I knew that my life was over, but you have to survive through this because you still have a dream to achieve. I meant nothing in all of this. It's been about you. And while he's while they are literally falling from the top of the tower down <sighs> seeing her cry 
and seeing him want to cry. And there's a touching moment between right before. So uh, David hits the ground and or lands right on top of Falco's truck, Falco's van. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm here for the fight. And Becca pops off a line and says to Lucy, you know, I'm glad that you made it back uh, for David's sake. And then we see Smasher falling from the sky. And she points her shotgun up in the air and yells, hey, we were having a moment here. Fuck you. And why they got to th- show it to us three times. <laughs> that was unnecessary. We were like, here, here's Becca dying at this angle. And then this angle. And then also this angle. I was like, that's just cruel. Yeah. I think, I think I can. So on, on the note, I can honestly say Rebecca's death. The only death in the entire show that surprised me. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of them, I was like, all right, all right, all right. And then Becca died, and I was um, like, the first time I watched it, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Pilar was just very unexpected, like in the moment, like him yelling at it, yelling at that guy. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought a fight was going to break out. I had no idea he was going to get his head blown off. Um, I, I was not. I, I knew he was going to die there. I was waiting for like someone to actually die, like in the show. Like, like sure, David's mom, but no one else had died yet. I was like, all right, somebody's going to die soon. So I was not. And they showed all these good things. Happening. Okay, mm-hmm. right. They got to bring it back to cyberpunk real quick. So like, whenever he was like yelling at the dude, and the dude wasn't reacting. I was like, Pilar's fucking dead. <laughs> He's about to die. So. I think funniest death of the series goes to Julio. The little punk kid who like ran forward and blew himself up on a mine. (laughs) That fucking guy. Oh God. That fucking guy. Okay. Um, I don't think that I have anything else to add. So I think that's kind of it, buddy. Yeah, and, uh, I have a couple things. Again, just that whole someone always crosses you thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Faraday crosses Kiwi. She knows that she's gonna get crossed. She still goes because at this point, like, she's already crossed her family. So, like, if she doesn't get the money, what, like? There's, there's literally nothing like she literally did all that for nothing um and so and then of course she says you know some uh, someone always betrays you <laughs> like it's just inevitable inevitability it's just her i guess deciding you know if someone's gonna betray someone it might as well be me that does it first mm-hmm. she kind of gets her just desserts for it um yeah, we talked about the memories. That was rough. Not a fan. Um, or well, I was a fan, but 
you know, not of the pain it caused. Um, the other thing of noting that, like, the sacrifice that Becca makes through this whole ordeal of, like, knowing he's losing it, knowing she's pushing him to the edge by injecting him with the blockers, but she asked, or he asked her to, and she would do anything for David, so she does. And then even realizing the fact that, like, once the meds wear off, that his only hope is getting him to Lucy? Which, for uh, a girl who is in love with this dude, because, like, I think it's fairly obvious that Becca was in love with him. Um, to to have to admit that you're not the one, mm-hmm. uh, that, like, your only option is to take him to a girl you probably aren't a big fan of because, you know whenever she's over here looking at David and David's over here looking at Lucy and never looks at Becca kind of like the sense of, um, it's like, that's hard. Like, like that's, that, that's rough. I wish we had a better indicator of how long this time frame is, you know, like have they all been together for like running as a crew for a couple of months a couple of years we don't it's i don't feel like months we can't because it's 2076 so it can't be a year but like where do we where do we see the indicators of that like how do we know that this is 76 i don't know what the indicators are but i do know that during my research that it it is set in 2076 Mm. That it has been established to set there. I don't know if it says in the show, but I do like it, it has been stated by people though. So it can't stretch into 2077 specifically because of those events. So it can't okay. coincide because it it doesn't. Right. And that we already know that so, in the story of V, David is dead. We know this. Um mm-hmm. So we know. So, well, I will add that probably. to the screen. Sh- I'll add that to the screen sheets for next week on how we know the timeline. Yeah, um, but like, even then, like, a life of an edge runner is all fast and loose, anyways. Yeah. So three months is probably like it's a significantly long time. I mean, you got David got to work with Pilar for like three days before Pilar was fucking dead. So, um. <laughs> Like making it a few months is pretty impressive. Yeah. The whole like falling through the sky scene. You know, that I listed as pain number three. Uh, so much pain. The way they did that scene, like not even just like, like obviously like the, the, the dialogue was great, you know, but like the animation of like her pushing his face back together as like you know pushing his like sanity for a little bit like that 
that was really cool. And then, of course, she kisses him with the moon in the background. With the moon being like their thing, their like romantic thing, um, of course. So just the way they said it, <laughs> Jin, uh, see so much emotion in your face right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I was, yeah, that was just very impressive. <laughs> the voice acting from Emmy Lowe came out real good in that moment, too. Like the emotion in her voice was uh, really heartbreaking. And the, the, the montage at the end, of course, because they had to do it again. And the damn song, the fucking song was the problem. That has been my problem. The entire time, it's almost like, oh, shit, like, they're, like, going, or he, like, activates the Sandevis stand, and they start playing the song, and it was like, fuck, this is about to be rough. Uh, and then they do it again for the montage. It's the fucking song. Anytime they play music or, like, a song for scenes, you know it's gonna, it's gonna hit. Um... So, but there is one thing, just one cool note here at the end. When Adam defeats David, uh, he tells him that he would make a good construct. Oh, that freaks me out. Well, so construct being the term specifically for like, Johnny is the construct in V's head. I know. Yeah. So Adam already knows about the chip and is like, or knows about like, well, it makes sense because Johnny got, um, I can't remember the name of the fucking thing. Relic. Like the brain killer thing. And well, like the, whenever they like, there was like a certain artifact they used to like, that they used on Johnny where they like fried his brain and then downloaded him. I can't remember the name of that, that item, but of course he knows about that and he knows like about, you know, the relic and stuff. And so to him being like, you know, I could, or, or considering, I guess having respect enough for David's fight that he's like, you know, this doesn't have to be the end. Not that David understands what the fuck that means at all, because no one knows about this information. But that was that was that was interesting. Even though I've seen this episode like five times now, I have to go back and watch it one more time. Do we see where Adam shoots David? In the head. It is in the head. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really. Well, I think it, it zooms in on his head. And then just shows a splatter of blood. So I think it's supposed to be the head. Um, and with what I saw the other day, how the uh, the the showrunners or, or somebody said that there was no plans for a season two in the right. works, it yeah, it makes sense. But well, yeah, because where I mean, would you if go in for twenty seventy seven? If they were to do something, maybe I don't know. So, but I think. I think uh, 
they, I think he's done. I think like Adam Smasher did shoot him in the head, but it was like interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, mm. and like for last thing, uh, you know, Lucy makes it to the moon and there was just a cool, a cool thing I noticed where somebody was talking about the difference between like, maybe like her, it being her memory or it being a brain dance because some cyberware has recording mm. like capabilities on it. So if she like recorded a brain dance of David, like whenever they first visited the moon um, in that brain dance, if it like recorded him and then in that moment it like played back. Yeah. She played it on purpose or something. Uh, because but she seems like surprised by that's the is mm. that like there's surprise on her face, which when you're remembering something, you're generally not surprised by that memory because you're usually drawing that memory forward. So it's as if like something like she didn't realize that she had a BD record and it showed up. I think we could talk about this for like another hour, but I think we should at least take a quick little mid break and figure out what we want to do with our lives now that this is all over. All right. Welcome to the mid break where we talk about everything about the podcast and nothing about the lore of cyberpunk. (laughs) We want to shout out all 14 badass patrons. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We also got hit with two new reviews this week. Uh, This first one was left by Tallahassee Superhero via Apple Podcasts here in the U.S. on October 15th. Um, So this is an updated one. So it means that he left this person left a review previously and then came back and fully updated it now that we're back on the air. Well-crafted podcast with rich content. Five stars. Update. I've been listening to this podcast for four years and it has only ever gotten better i continue to learn more about the universe and content across mediums from it now that it's back i couldn't have chosen any better hosts for it between their soothing npr-esque aesthetic voices deep knowledge of the universe and hot takes the show can only continue to improve Toasty, in particular, has been continuously friendly and engaging with me over the years, and I'm so happy to see him in one of the driver's seats. Only better driver would be Delamain. If you love the lore, you should check out the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I didn't know much I didn't know all that much about the earlier tabletop RPG plot points and how they tied into the current game or any of the deeper history, the different organizations, or the characters that bridge 2013 to 2077. So I just recently started listening to them and the back catalog, but vicariously. Um, Voraciously. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm thinking that this must be the first half of his uh, review. Gotcha. So, thank you, Tallahassee superhero. 
at all. Trev, is that you? Hmm? But, message me later if that's you, Trev. <laughs> oh. I think I know who this is. <laughs> I was trying, I was like, is this, is this who I think it is? Uh, let me know, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the, for the updated review. Really appreciate it. Second one, uh, great podcast for all cyberpunk lovers. Five stars. This one was sent in by House of the Claw via Apple Podcast US, also on the 15th of October. Um, started listening a few days ago, and I'm hooked. I've been starving for cyberpunk playing, especially after anime. Can't wait for y'all to cover more cyberpunk goodness. Agreed. We're going to do it. Yep. <laughs> we'll do it. Okay. I think it's time to get back into it. And we'll go over kind of overall feelings and a couple of what if situations. All right. I have dried my tears and now I'm ready to talk about cyber psychosis. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is something that I don't really remember seeing in the game and then most definitely not discussed in Edge Runners is the psycho registry and therapy. Okay, so I'll go over a little bit of this info here for you. But people who are near the edge are required to register. A registered cyber psycho is something akin to being on parole. They must attend therapy sessions to keep them human. They have implants to monitor their activity. So as long as they don't do anything dangerous, they can go about their lives as normal. But if the psycho flips they, and can be subdued, which is why Regina wants you to try and not kill all the psychos around town, they will be strapped down and all of their cybernetics deactivated. They are forcibly jacked into a custom brain dance where a cyber psychologist or psycho shrink attempts to piece their personality back together. Over time, a cyberpsycho can gradually regain their humanity. They may even eventually become human enough to reinstall cybernetics, assuming that they are not in prison for their rampage. Do, do, do you remember talking about therapy at all in 2077? No, I, but I think it was kind of like, well, I don't know the specifics of, or I can't remember the specifics of what Regina talks about, but like, I assume it's some sort of like therapy or some sort of like new, like revolutionary, like medicine or medical technique or something that they're mm -hmm. planning on doing would be equivalent. I do specifically remember one thing about some of the cyber psychos. So uh, specifically in that, like one of the, the early launch trailers or something we see it's that it's that woman who's like in the street with the mantis blades. Mm. And she's got like the white dress on with like blood all over her or whatever. And then specifically she doesn't get killed. She becomes a member of max tag. Oh. And they use her to subdue other cyber psychos. 
Okay. Damn. So, well, like some cyber psychos, if they're functioning enough, can be inducted onto Max Tech. Okay. It's like it's, it's a wild. It was a wild. I was just like reminded of this. I don't know, like a few weeks ago, honestly. So it was that was wild. And I assume that they like therapy and stuff like that as well to like keep them because. <laughs> I, I can't imagine like the big risk it would be of like, oh, like Mac Tech has to go out, like, the cyber psycho, and then one of your own team members like slips into their own at the same time, like oh, fighting two psychos at once. Yeah, no, thank you. Exactly. So there's probably some stuff they do there to make that work. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago, you asked me if cyberpsychosis was an inevitability uh, for everyone. And Mike Pondsmith heard that and he responded to you on Reddit. I doubt that. <laughs> no. Okay. So this article is a little bit older than that. But um, he did talk about cyberpsychosis on Reddit. So here's a direct quote from Mike Pondsmith himself. Okay, so time to partially explain cyberpsychosis. First of all, cyberpsychosis is a disorder that in part depends on the subject's overall internal susceptibility. Just like every person who drinks a lot at parties doesn't end up an alcoholic in the gutter. Not everyone who gets loaded up on cyberware is going to automatically go psycho. David's starting humanity was probably already pretty high, and before things went to crap, he had a loving mother, a career path, and no more hassle than the average poor guy in a wealthy Ivy League school. So he had a lot of buffer. But even so, he still, even after losing all of that, was able to make friends, build a replacement family, and after some prompting, even get a girlfriend and a mentor, Maine, to create a supportive father figure. So he could definitely handle the stress of added cyberware up to a point. Most people in Night City don't have that level of humanity to pull this kind of stunt off without going cyberpsychotic. So David is one in a million, and that's why Arasaka wants him. And no... Cyberpsychosis isn't caused by AI net demons. Give me a break, Chooms. Okay. With all of that being said, my question for you, Toasty, is do you think that if Lucy had to agreed to rejoin the team on the night of the breakup, even if it was a lie in the moment, do you think it would have changed things for David? You think it could have given him more hope or mental stability to slow down the psychosis progression and then possibly get therapy afterwards? Mm. I think, man, I mean, we see definitive proof that, like, even though he's, like, past the edge of no return, he still returns, even if it's just for a moment. Um, and, like, that, I think at that point, it wouldn't have lasted like even with with like her helping him but i think if 
she had been there, I don't think he would have been as, or if she'd agreed to come back, I don't think he would have been as desperate. Yeah. And if she had agreed to come back and, like, not pursued her goals, I mean, then technically we would have avoided um, him having to slot the skeleton to save her. Because <laughs> then, or taking the job in the first place. So, hmm. I mean, this is kind of a big what if, but I think as far as, like, the 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 humanity aspect of it, I think probably because he did really rely on having her around. Yeah. I really wanted her to be around. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about it more th- just the timeline of I'll talk to you when we get home and then she gets kidnapped immediately afterwards. There's no real time for that to happen. Um, but I think that if maybe if she had been open and honest with him from the beginning, Hey, this is what I'm out here doing. Will you be my backup? Will you be my, you know, have my back during this? And it wouldn't have happened that way. He would have known that Kiwi was lying. Faraday is an asshat. And then we could have possibly had at least a semi happily ever after. But cyberpunk. So that would never happen. I know. But I can still hope. Fair. Uh, And I do hold out hope. Because the only other cyber psycho fact that I had was that uh, there's a quest line called Bloody Ritual in 77. And it is revealed that women are more resistant to the effects of cyber psychosis than men. I don't don't know if it's a bias. If it's a biological thing or if it's a stereotype that women have the capacity to be more empathetic and emotional than men. Or is it something to do with my actual ovaries? Yeah, I can't think of a biological thing. I assume it's the stereotype. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, like, and if specifically if we're pulling like data where the majority of the women that have been tried upon did have a higher level of empathy. Um, then like, of course the, the stats would show that, Oh, women are more resistant because the women that you had had higher empathy. So. Okay. So we've talked about how amazing and awesome and badass and just the, everything that is this amazing series. What were the parts that we didn't like? I can go first if you need a second to think about it. I mean, other than the fact that they made you fall in love with a lolly. (laughs) I did not fall in love with a lolly. (laughs) Okay, maybe not fall in love with, but sad that she was dead. (laughs) Um, Okay, so for me, blatant whitewashing. I'm sorry, but... None of the characters seem to be anything but super white, ivory, pale white, or I'm slightly tan. I I can't pinpoint even a single character of color in this entire series. Maine, a little bit. His skin was, I'm a guy who goes running in the sun every day. And even the characters that they gave 
like the the Ripper Doc, he had one of those like over exaggerated Jamaican accent uh, sounding to me an over exaggerated Jamaican accent and he was one of the whitest people in the show. It just I don't understand it. I don't get it. See, I think in in yeah, there's a obviously think things you could do to change it up or whatever. I think specifically also lighting played a big part of that because we don't see anyone in like really strong lighting that would actually like because it kind of mutes everything specifically like all like the skin tones and stuff because I'm trying to think of like specifically with the episode six with Maine where we're seeing the hallucination of him like running on that road Mm -hmm. I think it is very much more apparent that he has a darker skin tone but that's because the sun lighting is actually like illuminating his actual skin tone. Whereas everything else is in like those harsh white fluorescence or like weird neon. Obviously you can like still make that better. Um, and specifically just, I think anime studios in general, typically uh, have lighter skin characters because I'm trying to think of anime where there's actually like people of color and like it's not a whole lot. I don't think <laughs> I'm not a heat, I don't do a whole lot of anime, but like the stuff that I can think of, yeah, all the characters are pretty white. Mm-hmm. So <sighs> it's 2077. Or 2076 in this. Please tell me that the Latinas haven't died out and that there are still black people in the world. And if there's the argument that comes up with, oh, well, it was a Japanese studio and so they tend to go with lighter skin characters. Okay, that's fine. But your setting is in Night City, California. If you are drawing American people, show the American people. Yeah, I think it's like apparent of what like the people of color like who the people of color are is just like yeah the skin tones are pretty like washed out i mean like obviously with david and his mom is very apparently latino right david but, and yeah, they were, and she speaks in spanglish yeah yeah but she was pretty white too <laughs> like she was very light skin which is possible my in-laws are are light skin Latinos. Uh, my wife is the only like dark skin person in like her family. Yeah, so. and I I get that. My grandparents are from Spain and El Salvador. My mother is El Salvadorian born. Like looking at me and my skin, you don't realize that over half of me is not white. So I get it, but. I, I'm not the majority of what a biracial person looks like. As for my gripe, honestly, I don't have a whole lot. That was an incredibly well done series. I, I mean, I've made this very apparent of like, and even though Rebecca was probably one of the best done lollies, like in just specifically not like. Because, like, generally the problem with lollies is that, like, they look incredibly young and all they're there for is to be sexualized. And, like, the 
it did still feel uncomfortable with like how she was just walking around basically naked the whole time. But like, to be fair, in the world of cyberpunk, sex sells. Like that's just kind of the sexual stuff is just accentuated everywhere. So it kind of makes sense. But like her looking that young still made me feel uncomfortable. But I am glad to see at least that they made her a very lovable uh, and well done character rather than just putting her on display. So the gripe ended up becoming not as much of a gripe because she was a really good character. She was a really well done character. So Mm -hmm. I think there was a turning point where she, uh, it had to have been like episode seven, maybe. I don't know. Uh, She comes into it. Like the only time we see her before that is hand job and montage. And then, you know, in the fight when her, when Pilar dies, mm-hmm. that's all we see of her. So it's just like, she's just there being tiny and violent. Yeah. And then they like really flesh her out after that. Mm-hmm. But her one-on-one conversation with David about, Hey, uh, where she acts, she acts her age where she you can actually tell that she's having a serious conversation there's still jokes but you i mean it even sounded like her voice sounded older to me in that conversation and i did really like that because i was like oh yeah this is proof that you are older than what your body makes it look like it is i really loved what they did with becca (sighs) yeah and i have her gun and I have David's jacket. And when I go to kill Adam Smasher, it's going to be for them. Yeah. I still need to do those quests, but yeah. It's going to happen too. Same here. Yeah, well, don't fuck up like I did and tell Falco that you're corporate, that you used to work for Arasaka. Oh, you used to talk to Falco? No, is it, is it Matt Mercer? No, no, it's it's text. It's through text. It's oh, not. damn. Okay, that'd be cool to have Matt Mercer in twenty seventy seven. But that's about it. We got any final things you want to say before we Delta? Next week uh, is super exciting. We have got our Patreon chat. And we're going to sit with the crew and do a good old catch-up. Things that we've enjoyed about the game since you all chatted in April. And what cool things you've discovered and your thoughts on Edge Runners. Because I want to get more people's opinions. More involvement so i'm excited for that next week we i haven't exactly solidified it yet if it's going to be a google meets or we will join up in a discord discord voice chat but please make sure that if you are subscribed at our tier four or higher patron status that uh, you get to join in on that make sure to check your emails and your patreon messages for where to come and join us Next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, on a Thursday night. Toasty, where can the people find you on the internet? As always, 
Um, you can find me on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also uh, find me. I am the co-host of the Witcher Lorecast, Tom. Um, and we do that over there on the Robots Radio uh, Twitch channel or uh, the Witcher Lorecast on podcast feeds. Uh, and I also do the uh, Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk apostrophe D, uh, Cyberpunk Red actual play with the Fumbling Four and Almighty Crit King. Check us out over there. And that's about it. I do love my girl Mono. I listen every week for her to show up. All right, Breda. You can find me in the Two Girls, One Ship chat on the Robots Radio Discord. Uh, And also I hang out in Cyberpunk as well. But I am Genesis, one half of the Two Girls, One Ship podcast, where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. Right now, we are covering characters in Dragon Age 2, but we have covered origins mass effect one and two and cyberpunk and fallout four or cyberpunk episodes really really good and if you want a full deep dive on the beautiful relationship between toasty and judy go listen to her episode so and as always while you're out there stay safe in night city Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.